And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley as we begin a Monday. Gary, how are you? I know. I guess we go from summer on Friday to winter on Monday. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, summer on Friday to winter on Sunday, even. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> what in the world? Oh, no, man. It's crazy. <laughs> I mean, silly crazy. I think uh, in our neighborhood on Friday, we got up to 92. 92. Yeah, I knew it and was. And they weren't calling for anywhere close to yeah. that. Yeah, I knew, it was, I knew it was near 90 because they originally had said like 85, 86. And when I last checked, it was like. I don't know, probably 2.30 on Friday. It was like yeah. 88, 89. So yeah. I knew it was going to hit 90. Yeah. And all of a sudden, what is it now, 41 out? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, with wind. <laughs> yes, with with the wind. And, and I'm sitting here all bundled up. And uh, in, my, um, in my vehicle, because I really didn't drive much over the weekend. So, I mean, it, it, I was in the... The, the new the new vehicle on Friday and driving around and the air conditioning was on mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I had it set at seventy two and I'm thinking well that's really cold wind blowing at me right now mm-hmm. so I didn't change anything got in the same vehicle drove it into work I look and go what's all this warm air I'm feeling mm-hmm. let me look down oh it's still set at seventy two but it's blowing warm air <laughs> yeah it's a it's a comparison uh, in fact uh, they the the systems in cars these days, the, the newer cars, they run it by comparison to the ambient temperature. Oh, yeah. So yeah. if you've got, uh, well, like what we have right now in the 40s outside, you could put it on 62 and it's going to, a lot of cars will blow warm air. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Because it's going to warm you up. Yeah. It figures it out by itself. So, no, I'm just saying that it was just, you're just used to the, you're used to that cold air because it's so hot and it's like, okay, it changes too quick here. Yeah. Changes too quick. And somebody hit me because I mentioned it the other day and they said, well, because I, I said it was like, you know, close to 90. And they went, well, that's not a uh, that's not a Texas summer. It's like, well, yeah, it can be 90, 95. It can be anywhere from 90 to 
105, but somebody was very upset at me that I posted on social media that close to 90 isn't summer in Texas. Well, uh, like, well I officially it's fall, so. Yeah. I yeah. But I was just, the anger, and I'm like, okay, there's things to get angry about. I mm-hmm. don't know why you're so passionate about that, but uh, here we go. Interesting um, interesting weekend. The, the things that just... Well, it's it's funny because we just were blurting out stuff. It's not like we sit down in our pre-show meeting and say, what will we talk about? Mm-hmm. It's just what's being blurted out. And the, the things that hit both you and I was a couple of stories out there. And, and you knew this was coming. But the fact is that the government is going to ask for bailouts to bail out the bailed out auto companies that were pre-bailed out for electric vehicles. And the same thing for wind. And they said it's not cutting it. And these companies will be asking the government to bail them out for an industry that was subsidized, pre-bailed out. Right. (laughs) They got the the, the, the pre-bailout. And, you know, then then I saw, you know, you've you've got, you know, the new speaker talking about, oh, what is it, 12, 14 billion for, um, you know, for uh, uh, for Israel. Mm -hmm. And, well, the fight they're going to have because the Democrats want a total of a hundred billion for everything. Mm -hmm. And Rand Paul's out there saying, you're going to bankrupt us. You're going to bankrupt us. And. A lot of people would look at it and say, well, that's just Dr. No saying no. Mm. But then it came out over the, uh, I think it was Friday, almost $900 billion we paid in fiscal 2023 yeah. on interest, interest alone. alone. Yeah. What was it? $879 billion just on interest, it's what you and I said all along. What was going to happen? We're actually closer to hitting that trillion dollar mark than I previously thought, and there seems to be no interest in backing off on the spending at all. No, no, none. And politi- politically, how do you get out there and have the discussion on what you need to cut? At some point, we'll reach that threshold where we can't sustain the interest payments just the interest payments and it won't be a discussion well i have to find out how much we paid i I just saw this this uh about an hour before i came on the air i I hadn't seen it on friday and i just was when i was at home in fact when i woke up is when i saw it i gotta find out you know how much more we paid in interest in last year Mm -hmm. what was last year 400 billion yeah, I have to. Go I mean, back we're, and look. you're talking about five. We're talking about a half a trillion dollars, probably close to that, than we spent on interest last year. Yeah. Now think yeah. about this. Even if you don't, even if you spend, if your budget is to spend the same amount or index it for inflation, so you're spending ten percent more. Yeah. You still yeah. have massive cuts that have to be made in the government because of interest alone on the debt. What was uh, what was TARP? Eight hundred billion, yeah. seven hundred billion. Yeah, I think it was about eight seven hundred something billion. Wasn't TARP? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. The interest is more than TARP, and we shut the phone downs, the phones down for for TARP. 
for that kind of spending. This isn't, by the way, negotiable spending. No. That has to be paid. And yet we still are having conversations about bailing out failed in- industries and over and over and over again. And, and of course, it was going to end up this way because the OEMs are saying we're, we're tapping the brakes. Production isn't going to be what it, it, because demand isn't there on EVs. Well, eventually what happens? Ford's pushed back $12 billion in investment on EVs. Said, well, you know, the it, it, exactly what we said, the initial saturation of the market. People who were curious about it, they've already bought their EVs. Now you're talking about the general public. This is the way it works with new technology. The geeks get out there, they buy it up first. And some of them are loyal. Uh, there was an article uh, about two weeks ago that showed outside of Tesla, more than 50% of EV owners say they're going back to internal combustion engines. They don't want to own them. So what do you do? Because you build out a factory to, uh, to, to, to build them. You've got car lots there that are saying they're sitting here. And we can't order any more. Hertz was talking about their deal with Tesla and said they're not retaining value. The demand for them isn't there. And we just don't see it. And these, this is coming, by the way, from uh, not conservative outlets, Financial Times and Business Insider. Yeah, Business Insider this, this has had a series of, yeah. of uh, articles on it, just two Two just over the weekend, talking about the demand for EVs and how it's just not there. And Ford said, we can't do it. We can't take that $12 billion and just throw it out the window. There it is, uh, Wall Street Journal, just the news. Uh, we'll get into the specifics uh, here in a little bit, but brace for wind and electric vehicle bailouts. No, it's, it's inevitable. Wind companies losing billions, prompting fears. Federal bailout could be coming. Yep. You know, we talked about Friday about that the proposition on the ballot in in Texas mm-hmm. for taxpayers to build. I mean, it's a constitutional amendment. Right. Uh, which would basically open up funding, taxpayer funding, to back up, to basically subsidize natural gas plants to back up for the subsidized wind and solar. I mean, and because you're changing the state constitution, it's a permanent bailout. It would be a yeah, it would be it would be a right, it would be it would be a permanent bailout well, whatever you if need. If you want to call it bailout, but it's it's subsidies going and, for a backup that is not necessary. It should be the primary source of our energy in this state. Well, they're using it as a fund, basically an energy fund, so if Demo- as we said if Democrats got in power mm. in the state of Texas, you could use that fund to bail out because it doesn't say that it has to be natural gas right it's just we need an we need an energy fund basically a texas slush fund to bail out whatever needs to be bailed out because in essence you are bailing out the grid yeah you're bailing out the grid because you're saying we can't run the grid like this so taxpayers need to bail out the grid in the state of texas because of the asinine idiotic federal government 
and all the subsidies they've given to wind and solar and the mandates that they put on all the different states. And it's just, I mean, it's just pure insanity. But as Rand Paul said, money's running out now. And you're seeing it, you're like, my God. And and it really didn't hit, you know, for, I mean, it's hit for me. I mean, I've known this for a long time. I mean, that we were going to, we're going to get to this, but I didn't expect the interest on the debt to be almost $900 billion. Yeah, we're and, only we're only at the end of 2023. I, I think in my mind, if I would have thought that, let's go back, I don't know, let's go back a decade. I probably would have said sometime in the 2030s. That it would hit that amount, yeah. yeah. You know, and, you know, again... In economics, nothing is free, and we pretended that stuff could be free, and right. we pretended that we that the government could manipulate the economy. Everything that we warned about has come to fruition. Why? Not because we're geniuses. We understand the history of economics and how economics works. It's that simple. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure it out. And so just across the board... You know, you look at it, and I, I, I did see the uh, the other story was that you know Democrats were telling Serpent, uh, excuse me, James Carville to, to shut up his criticism, and we need to stop the criticism of Biden. Mm-hmm. And it was really out there, even from Democrat sources, they're really concerned now that Biden could lose to Trump. And you know, you, I, I think there should be great concern for any Democrat because I don't see Biden stepping down. I don't no. see that happening now. I don't see that that happening. They've done their they're doing the weekend at Bernie's thing. They're propping him up at every turn. And it doesn't matter how bad things get. Just send him home for the weekend. Every weekend. Keep him away from the media. Send him out the the opposite side of the uh, uh, of the White House from where the press corps is standing when he leaves, when he comes and goes. So he never has to address the media. And then let him mumble every once in a while at a ribbon cutting. Well, you think about it, you know, you wonder how are they thinking inside the White House? How is he thinking? And the only thing you can say is everything is fine. Uh-huh. And it's just why don't people understand the wonderful things we're doing? And one of the keys that you can look at is think about this. Biden has never fired anybody. No. Never fired anybody. Everything is fine. There is no problem. The border is secure. The economy is doing the 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 economy is is doing great. Our foreign policy is perfect. Yeah, right. Uh, there is no debt problem. Everything is fine, and and it's just you know th- this was one of those weekends just fiscally looking at it and going whoa, because now because of the situation in Israel. You know, I saw, you know, Johnson say, well, anything that we give to Israel, we need to cut somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Well, you better start explaining why you have to cut. Just don't say cut. Mm-hmm. Explain why you have to cut. Republicans, every time they open up their mouth, should say, look, we'd like to provide everything to everybody, but we can't. And the inflation you're seeing today is a direct result of the spending. And you need to simplify the problem, the economic problem that's coming down the pike that people don't want to face because that's still the greatest challenge for Republicans is being able to moderate or cut spending 
without losing elections for the next 50 years. Yeah, yeah. Because the public doesn't want to, the public claims they want to cut as long as it doesn't affect them. Well, between fiscal and monetary policies right now, you've got the makings of more inflation. And one strong indicator of that was the GDP numbers coming out last week. Yeah, you're right. Because what you're trying to do when you raise interest rates is slow the economy. And that GDP was powered in a big way by consumer spending, not business spending. What does that tell you? You haven't done enough on interest rates. And as I've been saying all along, or all along, Jerome Powell is not interested in actually doing something about inflation. He's just pretending like he is. And they're not going to do anything at the November meeting. Will they do anything between now and next November? We have a great show ahead, 866-90-RED-EYE. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. With advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. As the seasons change, so does truck maintenance. Cold weather can affect everything from your batteries and your air brake system to tire inflation and fuel lines. Make sure your tires are ready to roll through winter with the following maintenance tip. Underinflation is a leading cause of tire failures during winter because when the temperature drops, so does your tire pressure. Check your tire pressure before every trip to ensure they're properly inflated and to get the best footprint and traction on the roads. Conduct daily visual tire inspections to make sure you haven't picked up harmful debris on the road. Find a trustworthy tire service provider today so you'll be ready as the seasons change. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed, bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal, but man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find Great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. The symbolism of where Democrats are going right now, I thought, uh, was uh, 
perfectly given by Gavin Newsom in that video coming out of him running over the child in China playing basketball. Clearly, that was a charging <laughs> foul. He should have been ejected from the game at that moment, but he oh, wasn't. Just... What in the world, man? I... The first thing I thought of was karate. <laughs> It's like you're playing with kids. Why do you think you need to plow through that kid that's a third your size? What are you who who are you trying to show off to? Oh, that was just that was, you know that was bad. a couple of dribbles pass the ball you know to one of the children <laughs> you know yeah. not make it about you you know ball hog. What in the <laughs> world, man? Seriously. And, and plows through the kid. And sad over the weekend, uh, actor Matthew uh, Perry dying. Yeah, that was young. very sad. Yeah, but young, you know, he he had so, I mean, his drug problem was horrible. Yeah. Uh, and he had, you know, how many operations did he have on his stomach? Like 15? Mm-hmm. You know, he did so much damage to his body. Yeah. You know, people talk about, well, they didn't find any drugs. Yeah, but, you know, it, the the damage he did to himself. That he admitted. Yeah, I, I saw some of his interviews that he's done in the last year, and he was very open and upfront about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think he wrote uh, yes, he about did. it in his book yep. a lot yep. in his book about that. Uh, you know, one of the things about situations like that is it's rare to get a uh, a starring role on a sitcom, but a starring role on a sitcom that was huge. It was everything mm-hmm. in the '90s. It was it was the show on on uh, NBC. It was. And beyond that, you don't see, you know, a lot of actors don't really go on to do anything. They're kind of, they not necessarily that they're typecast, but it's, it can be overexposure. It can be a number of things. Jennifer Aniston did a few movies. They've all done other projects, but nothing on the scale of what they were doing in the nineties. Carly and Gary McNamara on Red Eye Radio. And he's Eric Carly and I'm Gary McNamara. So, yeah, this really didn't get uh, a lot of, uh, of publicity. Fox Business had it. With all the chaos and heartbreaking loss of life around the world, few noticed that the Treasury Department dropped a financial bomb. The deficit for fiscal year 2023 was $1.7 growing 23% in a single year as the Treasury used $879 billion just to pay the interest on the federal debt. Wow. The impetus for these massive deficits is the federal government spending, which tipped the scales at $6.1 trillion last year. Government receipts, meanwhile, were at $4.4 trillion dollars woefully short of the five trillion dollar previously forecasted a slowing economy and counterproductive tax increases 
were the key drivers behind the almost $500 billion drop in receipts from the prior fiscal year. Mm -hmm. Even uh, yet, even uh, these reduced revenues would have resulted in a balanced budget if President Biden had simply allowed spending to return to its pre-pandemic level. Instead, Treasury outlays are up 38 percent today compared to pre-pandemic times. Well, you know, I think um, it, it won't be long before we hear Janet Yellen say the problem is lemonade stands because these children are making 20, 30, sometimes $40 off of 10 cents worth of lemonade. And that kind of margin should be taxed heavily. We don't learn. We don't learn at all. Anybody watching this over the years, our audience is a big part of that, knows where this is going to go. It wasn't going to be zero interest forever. I really am more and more convinced that pretty much everybody, with the exception of a handful of us, really believed it was going to be zero interest forever. And that wasn't going to be the case. Yeah, we knew it wasn't going to be the case. And when they started doing the insane spending during COVID, over-the-top insane spending on top of the other insane spending, then it was inevitable. You're going to get to a point of inflation like you've never seen. Even worse, a $1.7 trillion deficit in last fiscal year was really a $2 trillion deficit. It was only reduced in a technical sense, by $300 billion when the Supreme Court blocked Biden's student loan handout scheme. Mm. The Treasury has merely reallocated that money to be spent in fiscal year 2024 because the Biden administration is hell-bent on achieving its unconstitutional student loan bailout. No, they did. They, you know, that's one of the things you and I talked about it. There wasn't a lot of news on it, but their, their move after the Supreme Court blocked them their move basically was going to send it. There was no doubt they were going to try something else, and that's what they're doing. That's exactly what they've done, and I don't know if there's going to be a successful challenge to it, but it's it's just one area of spending, and that's you know something you and I, again, when you look at this being the interest alone being higher than TARP was, and they couldn't get TARP done the first time. And they couldn't because we shut the phones off there in, I mean, the calls coming in to D.C. I mean, it was on fire. And eventually they got it done. And especially after the Obama administration came in, you know, that's when the bridge loans for the OEMs turned into a bailout. And we're going to see that over and over again. Well, when you look at it in the first three weeks, now this isn't money spent. This is just how much has the federal government spent in the first three weeks of mm. October? Mm. How much, excuse me, how much have they borrowed? Mm. Yeah, right. right. This is yeah. just what they borrowed mm. in three weeks, a half a trillion dollars. Which now goes on top of the interest that must be paid yeah. On the debt that we already have, which is $33.5 trillion. Yeah. 
And so, I mean, there's just no, and there is no, I mean, you have, you have now, you have, you know, Johnson's talking about it. You know, for example, anything we spend, we need to have tax cuts where well, we need to have cuts. Well, you need to explain to the American public every single day why the cuts are necessary. Mm-hmm. Because the biggest problem the Republicans have is the Republicans know they have to cut. I mean, this entire thing of the of the of the the, the speaker is based on shut the government down now or shut the government down later. Mm-hmm. That's what it's about, one mm-hmm. or the other. Because right. the Democrats yeah. do not want to control spending at all. No. Not all Republicans do, but if it wasn't for the Republican Party, there would be no effort at all to try to even slow down spending or even talk about slowing down spending. Well, and that's it, because now we're at that point. In fact, we're way past that point of essentially having to point and say, these are the things that we need to cut. Remember the whole... uh, (laughs) 1% 1% haircut, just 1% off the top, across the board. No, no one's going to accept that. You try and slow the rate of growth of spending, where you're actually still spending more money, and politically, you can't get that done, but in a handful of districts for those in the House. For those of you who, you know, the billions and trillions, uh, I can go back to what we did a few years back just based on these numbers here. If you want to put it into perspective of somebody who's making $44,000 a year, this is a situation with our federal budget right now. Uh, you, you, you're, you put it as you make it instead of worried about the United States, you just put it in somebody out there who's making $44,000 a year, they're spending $61,000 every year while making Mm $44,000. They have $335,000 in unsecured uh, debt that they have to pay. Mm -hmm. They have to to pay that off eventually or pay the interest uh, on that debt. And they have roughly $2 million in obligations coming over the next 10 years, bills that must be paid. Mm-hmm. Now, anybody that's in that situation, you know, there's no way to bail yourself out. Nope. And that's where we are right now. And it's what you might not have voted for it. I didn't vote for it. Eric didn't vote for it. But it's what the people of the United States wanted by the people that they put into office. And as you see right now, Republicans may be leading on the issues by landslide numbers, but any race out there is just a couple of points. It's not changing, even though people may be changing their opinions on the issues, they're not changing their opinion on what political party has a plan to get them out of this, or at least attempt to make the problem worse. There seems to be no interest in connecting those dots with the American public. No. Now, hope, hopefully by 2024, there will be. Well, and, you know, I've been saying all along, whoever it is that takes over Joe Biden's mess, whenever that is, whether it's January of 25 or 
Mm-hmm. Heaven help us. January of 29. Whether it's a Democrat or a Republican. It's going to be a mess that's so massive. I don't even know where you begin. Just on the debt alone. Think about that. If Biden is to be elected for a second term. It'll be January of 29. Before the next president takes office. What do you think it's going to be like between now and January of 29? Five more years of this insane spending and zero political will to do anything about it. And we'll be right there at the brink. Just a few years away from Social Security and and Medicare being bankrupt. You... Whoever that is, if they haven't done something by then, the entire 28 campaign, whoever it is that's running, if they haven't done anything by then, it all has to be about Medicare and Social Security. Yeah, how do you save it? I mean, it. it and, and if it's not, then just watch. It'll be a David Blaine-type disappearing act because it has to go away. It just won't be there. If they don't do anything, it won't be there. Well, they will. As I said, we we believe we know what they'll do. They'll raise corporate taxes. You know, they'll do anything but charge the people for it. Mm-hmm. They'll charge. They'll charge the people through it indirectly. Mm-hmm. The FICA limit, raise right. that. Uh, raise employer, it. the employer portion, the employer they'll probably portion. double. Right. right. And and they will they will uh, uh, probably um, uh, uh, what do you call it? We're uh, if you make too much money, you don't collect. Means test. Means test. Mm-hmm. They'll probably means test it, and uh, they uh, probably will also uh, make it so they take off the uh, the the cap, the limit, yeah. the cap. Yeah. But that's still going to have a huge effect on the economy because you're going to have to continue pumping that money in and more of it in each and every year. Well, what happens when afford- they? Would, if an employer is tasked with, let's say they go in and they say we're going to raise the employer portion of the FICA tax, let's say they want to double it because I, that's that has to be one of the moves. You go for corporations. Well, inevitably, you're going to have to cut salaries. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? Well, that means it's not going to increase greatly the, the amount of money going into that fund. Because if you're cutting right. salaries, then and, and that's what they'll have to do. Corporations aren't going to just add another uh, 6.2% or or 3.1% or whatever it is to everyone's salary without making other changes. There will be cuts. So they'll cut jobs altogether or they'll reduce salaries or both or they'll do what they're do now just borrow from future generations to pay it off now right keep borrowing and borrowing and borrowing yeah which cause the inflation which is going to keep the inflation going higher yeah it's just it's amazing i think the means test is probably going to be the one of the first things that they discuss which I, is taking it away yep, completely from, from people from that, people if you've got yeah. a 
if you've got a net worth at a certain level, whatever that's going to be, they'll find right. the level and, and say, well, you've got plenty. Right. You don't get what you've been paying in all these years. You get nothing. Right. I can see that. 86690-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. You know, you look at uh, 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 Biden and the Democrats over the weekend, really uh, starting because of James Carville yeah, uh, and his criticism saying, stop criticizing the president, stop criticizing him. And you look at the, uh, you know, you look at Robert Kennedy Jr. now, mm-hmm. who's running as an independent. You look at Cornell West. Cornell West, who's like, okay, he found his niche. Uh, let me be pro-Hamas. All right. Yeah. Okay, good. I and That should get me a... Nice chunk of the Democrats wanting to, uh, you know, vote for me. You saw the squad. You know, you saw Tlaib and others out there saying that Biden better watch it. He's going to lose the Muslim vote because he's not pro-Hamas. Yeah. My God. I mean, that's how incredible it is. But then you've got Dean Phillips, who's running, uh, was on with a, a News Nation stating that while he voted for President Joe Biden's policies, we do have a massive affordability crisis. We have a border crisis. We have crime in cities and chaos. I'm a fan of Joe Biden. I admire him. I voted for his policies. Huh? What? Yeah. And and so yeah. what does he criticize? The president's age. Like, I think his policies are great. Even though we have a massive affordability crisis, a border crisis, and crime in our cities and chaos. Yeah. Well, it, that, it's, everything's fine. <laughs> it's just his age. We just need somebody newer. He says, I'm Dean Phillips. And yes, I'm a lot younger than President Biden. I was three years old when he became a senator. And so he's like, he's been serving this country, but it's time for somebody younger. The policies aren't working. I'm for them, but I'm younger. Yes. That's your message? Everything else is fine. It's just his age. Yes. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Welcome 
to a Monday. Here we are, last week of October. Even though it does feel like the first week of December. <laughs> yeah, we went in, in we, we went from end of summer to winter. Yeah. We didn't really get a fall. No. No. Yeah. We got some rain in between. Yeah. <laughs> the rain I loved. But uh yeah. And I'm I'm sitting here and I've got just, you know, winter clothes on and everything feels heavy. Yeah. Because I'm not used to wearing it. It's like right. a T-shirt and shorts for seven months. And all of a sudden, it's one in the world. All right. You ready for it? All right. Now, this is a problem the Democratic Party has. For mm-hmm. example, you know, we talk about the, the fact of of um, of Robert Kennedy, you know, Jr. running. You don't hear a lot of him now. Right. Now that he's apparently running as an independent. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cornell West over the weekend showing his difference, you mm-hmm. know, making sure he's pro-Hamas. And it's like, okay, I can, I, I can legitimately, and when you see the members of the squad saying that Biden needs to change, yeah. Biden needs to change yeah. here yeah. because he's going to lose the Muslim vote, mm-hmm. uh, it's like that's not, that's not a winning mindset Yeah. Uh, based, on, based on the issues. Now, Dean Phillips, who announced he's running from Minnesota, uh, did an interview with uh, Elizabeth Vargas on News Nation and and talked about that he voted for President Biden's policies. Uh, while he voted for President Biden's policies, we do have a massive affordability crisis. We have a border crisis. We have crime in the cities and chaos. I'm a fan of Joe Biden. I admire him. I vote for his policies. He made that known over and over again. Uh-huh. L- Elizabeth Vargas here in this uh, interview gets to the point of, well, are you just running because of the age? Because you believe the same as he does, which has basically caused all the problems. Here's where this discussion goes. Here we go. In polls just now, a huge majority of Americans, a big majority of Democrats, are very concerned about President Biden's age. Is this why you're running? Because your voting record is nearly 100% in support of Biden's policies. Are you just a younger version of Biden? No, I'm, I'm, a, I'm Dean Phillips, and yes, I'm a lot younger than President Biden. I was three years old when he became a senator. He's been serving our country for 50 years, and I admire that. But I am also hearing it's time for a change. Yes, I voted for his policies as a member of the House Democratic leadership team. I helped um, distribute those policies and market those policies. So what that would you said, do differently? There are- okay, so there you go. What would you do differently? Hmm. Because he has already once in this interview pointed out all the problems that we have. Yeah. He voted for the policies. He agrees with the policies, but we have a massive affordability crisis. We have a border crisis. We have crime in our cities and chaos, which apparently has nothing to do with Biden's policies. Right. 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 But she did ask him the question, what are you going to do differently? By the way, I don't care whether it's, Somebody from Homeland Security, <laughs> you know, being in front of the Republicans right. or whether it's Corrine Jean-Pierre or John Kirby, they never answer the question. No, they tell you why they're there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they tell you, you know, why they're there and what their position is. But they really never tell you what they're going to do, including Dean Phillips. Here we go. Our massive 
Oh, let me start with affordability. Uh, it is a massive crisis in America right now, the cost of living. People's mortgages are skyrocketing. Fuel is too expensive. Food is too expensive. Healthcare, if it's even obtainable, is double the price of anywhere in the world. Medicine, three times more than anywhere else in the world. We are falling behind. American middle class, hardworking people are not being heard. They are angry. They're frustrated. And that is job one. We have a border crisis. We have crime in cities and chaos. We have a federal government that is run so ineffectively and so inefficiently, does not focus on customer service, doesn't use zero-based budgeting. We don't have term limits, so therefore we have the same people making the same decisions and often the same mistakes time and time again. I'm making a, a proposition for change. I want to ask you. And then she went into something else. But he never answered the question. What would you do differently? And he just laid out the problems again caused by the Biden administration yeah. that he agrees with the policies that's the best the Democrats can do. Well, it's because of Biden's age that the border is broken. Yeah, I guess so. It's... I mean, that's basically what I would have answered with. What are you saying? It's his age that put us here? It's his age that caused all these problems? I think that's what he's trying to say. There's these huge problems, but he's trying to relate it to the age because he won't tell you what he'll do. All these problems exist. He doesn't tell you, well, here's what I will do. He was asked it, and all he did was repeat all the problems caused by the Biden administration. Yeah. The massive affordability crisis was caused by what? Spending. Spending. That's why we have the massive affordability crisis today. The inflation you see today is caused by the spending that he admits is a problem and he voted for all of Joe Biden's policies that created the massive affordability crisis. Mm -hmm. The border crisis was caused by Joe Biden. Yep. As he said, he's on the leadership committee. He supported him on everything that Biden has done at the border or hasn't done at the border. And crime in the cities in chaos defund the police, which again was mainstream of the Democratic Party on the federal level, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. which he is a part of. Yeah. So, yeah, what he's saying is, I'm younger. Well, Democrats know everything that's wrong. He spelled it out. Everyone in the party knows what's wrong. Yet Joe Biden's doing a great job. If you're going to run against somebody, you better be able to fight. You better be able to stand up and say, he's not a good president because of this. But I just love how they, they answer questions. All right, now, what would you do differently since you voted for all of his policies? All right, let me lay out all the problems again. Mm -hmm. I won't tell you how I'll solve them. I'll tell you all the problems again, which I already laid out before, and then... To show you I care, I'll tell you that the American middle class is not being heard and they're angry and they're frustrated. Uh -huh. I'll have no solutions. I'll continue the same thing that has caused the American public to be angry and frustrated because I won't tell you how I'll do it. You know, it's sort of like the entire thing right now with uh, uh, Hamas and the, the uh, a couple of articles written over the weekend 
uh, just uh, about, you know, basically, are we suicidal or, or what as a nation? Why the hell are we doing what we're doing? Mm. And some Republicans coming on saying, why is Biden still making it so Iran can get all of this, you know, all of this oil money, which then they give to Hamas and Hezbollah? It's sort of like the Biden administration trying to attack Hamas and Hezbollah as they completely ignore Iran's supporting of them and even the proxies. They'll talk about Iran's proxies, you know, attacking American, uh, you know, American uh, 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 military sites mm. and injuring our service people. But he won't talk about the entire umbrella that everything that you see here is caused by Iran, because the next thing that you get to is where does the funding come from? But they try to play this game where they never connect any dots. They just sit there and say, we're angry. We're angry about this, too. We're completely behind the president. Even though it's a complete disaster, we're behind the president. Well, then what are you going to do differently? We're going to tell you what the problem is. You just told us what the problem is. What are you going to do about it? Well, I'll tell you that the American public is angry. Fine, the American public is angry. What are you going to do about it? Dean Phillips can't answer the question. Well, and, you know, it's going to get even worse as we get into uh, a real debate season. I still ask the question, and, and you and I are wondering if they're actually going to have debates for the general. Will Trump and Biden be on a stage together? I don't know how you put Joe Biden on a, on a stage, on a debate stage with anyone. Because from the get-go, it's going to be an implosion. I think if the polls show Trump up, I don't think Trump will do it. So and, far and, in, the, and, you know, in the GOP primary, he clearly doesn't believe he needs to. Yeah. And I believe if we get closer, and who knows what's going to happen in, in the whole, you know, the, the, the trial thing. Mm-hmm. But I believe if he's up in the polls... I just I don't see a de- I don't see debates coming. And then with the Republicans to begin with, I mean, with with Lester Holt and uh, uh, Kristen Welker as mm-hmm. as the moderators, you know, why don't you just put a, you know, a political gun to your head and pull the trigger? Mm-hmm. The Republicans are idiots. The RNC is a bunch of idiots run by an idiot. Yeah, it's more on over Ron and over McDaniel again. And you, allow this to happen over. It's just they're they're the only thing that the moderators are looking for is a, is a gotcha question or a gotcha right. answer and a soundbite, and you know that and you've known it for years. And by the way, between election seasons, what do we always hear? Well, we're going to change things. No, you're not. No, you're not. Not at all. McDaniel's not changing anything. Nope. She should have been gone a long time ago. And so I, I just, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there were no debates. Well, if do you really need debates between, you know, where Trump stands versus Biden? No, I don't think debates- you, I don't think you need debates. But my question would be, if Trump wants to debate, if you're Biden's advisors, what do you do? They're sending him home every weekend. They're keeping him out of the media eye. And you want to put him on stage in a back-and-forth scenario with with anyone? They can't carry notes. 
They can't, he can't. They'll make an exception, and the Republicans yeah, right. will agree to they'll it. Give, they'll give him a prompter. He gets Biden gets at the teleprompter with a fifteen second delay, so mm-hmm. his advisors can tell him what to say, mm-hmm. and the the RNC will agree to it. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's really no way to put him well, on a Trump debate made stage. A, Trump does stupid interviews mm-hmm. with people he shouldn't be doing them with. Who who did he do them with? A, what was it about two months ago? That was an NBC. Mm. We did an interview with. It's like stop doing those interviews. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know what a debate stage looks like because if I'm Joe Biden's advisor. You make every excuse not to be on that stage. Yeah. You can't put them in front of the media. You can't do impromptu Q&As with the media ever without him just being dismissive. No, they'll make it the new rule is they can find Trump if he says something they don't like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Again, there's no way there's no way for them to make that happen without it being a catastrophe. And I no. mean the worst of yeah. worst. If I was Trump's advisor, I'd say you need to do it just to get Biden on the stage. You can yield your time to your opponent every time. <laughs> and all he has to do is after, after uh, Biden's finished talking, give him as much time as you want. Now, I'll give you some of my time. Then after yeah. he's done, go look at the camera and say, is it me? You could just shake your head. 86690-RED-EYE. Brought to you by FPPF, Fuel Power Max. Surviving and thriving as an owner-operator has just as much to do with managing costs as it does with generating revenue. Like the chief financial officer of any company, you have to be concerned about rising costs, especially without increases in revenue. Trying to reduce costs, let alone make sense of them, can be a complicated task. Understanding basic principles of operating costs can save you thousands of dollars a year. A penny saved could be $1,000 earned. Saving just one penny per mile over 100,000 miles driven annually will deliver $1,000 to the bottom line at the end of the year. Brought to you by Shell Rotella. With advanced synthetic technology is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Let me see if I, if I got the weekend uh, right. It seems as if you have uh, more Democrats out there. You know, you 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 hear the thing that uh, all right, we we want Israel to uh, we want Israel to win, but we also must take care of the, uh, the 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 Palestinians. We must separate Hamas from the Palestinians. You hear things like that over uh, the, uh, uh, the 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 weekend, mm. uh, and then what you heard. You know, whether it was Tlaib or, you know, Democrats now warning the president he'll lose Muslim support because he's too uh, because he's too pro uh, Israel. And you see, you know, more protests around the world. And this is pro Hamas uh, things that are going on. And I don't really see a back off of the of the protesters in the United States, at least vocally, 
from the people that are absolutely pro-terrorism in this country. Right. I really find it amazing. I thought there would be a bigger backlash where they would be quiet, and they're not. It's like, no, we, we can outlast them. As long as we keep promoting this, all right, let's maybe change the language a little bit. We're pro the innocent Palestinians out there. Yeah, yeah. And and the Israel must find a way to negotiate a peace or keep every single civilian safe while going after Hamas, basically moving the goalpost to an impossible situation for Israel. Well, and that's really been the attempt, if you look at it, um, you know, and, and that's it. It's, well, there can be no collateral damage. Uh, you know, uh, the uh, IDF has been saying all along, look, we don't target civilians. We want them out of the way. We're trying to give them as much time as possible. But we also realize there are civilian casualties in war. And we must go through with our plan. And one of the best analogies I saw was somebody said, that's like telling the allies on June 5th, sorry, you shouldn't be doing the whole D-Day thing because French citizens are in there. Right. But this is exactly what Hamas wants. They've known this for a long, long time. That the world will look down on Israel if there are any civilian casualties. And they'll blame Israel. Yep. And you see that more and more. You know, it's... Some of the reminders, people going over to Israel, a number of people that have visited Israel... Uh, that come back, even Gavin Newsom coming back saying, all right, this is no longer this intellectual discussion. It's no longer a theory. It's no longer this, which we've been saying from the beginning. This is the reality, if you're Israel, that much of that region, most of that region, wants you gone. And also... Everyone else from afar says, yeah, but you shouldn't be defending yourself. You know, that's not fair. And that's insane. Because the very real stories, you saw the videos that were put together by the IDF and shown to the media in that theater. Horror on their faces as those reporters watched. It's very, very clear you have Hamas bragging about what they were going to do, what they did, what they have done. Yet the world wants to blame Israel. That's a kind of um, delusional thought that I can't wrap my, my mind around. But that's actually what's going on right now. Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. 
It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara. So uh, House Republicans are aiming to move forward with a bill to provide aid to Israel with the GOP leadership announcing a Thursday vote during a conference call last night. It will be a standalone Israel bill with a price tag of $14.5 billion. Republican leaders announced while arguing it is fully paid for, according to two people familiar with the call. Uh, by the way, one thing Johnson said is they're not going to do gimmicks when they say it's all paid for. Mm. Let's see what comes out. We don't have that yet. Right. They also revealed uh, plans to move on legislation targeting Iranian oil sales, including putting previous sanctions back in place. The plan comes after Speaker Mike Johnson announced during a recent Fox News interview that he supports separating Israel and Ukraine aid. It is one of the first calls after winning the gavel last week. So hmm. we will see what happens. Yeah. Um, you know, if if you're going to, I guess if you're going to make your mark, if you're going to, if Johnson is going to prove himself, then this will be on two fronts. This will be one thing that he can, you know, do. Uh, in terms of uh, the support of Israel, that's something they need to demonstrate clearly. But then beyond that, how do you pay for it? Because that's something you have to demonstrate to your party and to the American people. And as you point out, you have to repeat why that's important, why you need to do that. Yeah, because if you simply say it's paid for, it doesn't mean anything to most people. Right. You have to say we're paying for this by cutting back on this. And the right. reason we're having to do this is we need to prioritize because the spending you have seen, the out of control spending that you have seen that has been passed by the Democrats and Joe Biden is the reason that things are costing so much today. Yeah. And they have to repeat that over and over and over again. Now, they haven't done it yet to my satisfaction, even with Johnson in yet. But I'm nitpicking. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> I've, I've been doing this for almost 35 years, so I, I'm allowed to nitpick. Well, it's important, and 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 watching, you know, how it all comes together by the time it gets to the floor, if it's going to be voted on on Thursday. Also, watching how Democrats vote, I'm really anxious to see where that's going to go because more and more the calling for, you know, the, the protests have been pro Hamas protests. And while it looked like it was going one direction with the exception of a few. Now, a couple of weeks, a few weeks later, and by the time we get into uh, Thursday, We'll be into November, and you put some time between the Hamas attacks and this vote, and I really wonder what Democrats, how Democrats in the House are going to vote. I think you'll have the majority of Democrats vote for this bill. You can't, you really can't vote against it. I believe you will, too. Right. But the question will be, how many won't vote for it and which ones will, the usual suspects will be there. We know that. But the question is, 
How many more will decide politically they can get away with not supporting Israel? Well, I think the push will be in the Senate because the what will the Senate bill be like? Mm. Uh, you'll have the House bill. Then will the Senate come up with their own bill where they have Ukraine and Israel funding? Because the House is the one, it's the Republicans in the House that are really pushing to separate the funding. You're yeah. not really seeing that from Republicans in the Senate. No. no. I mean, you may. Mm-hmm. You may after this bill is done. But I don't know. I don't, in fact, I don't know if there's a bill in the Senate right now. I don't believe there is. I know Biden talked about it. I didn't see anything where they, the Democrats in the in the Senate had been working up, you know, some type of bill. But if... They come up with, you know, if the Senate comes up with funding for uh, both Israel and Ukraine, how does, when you put that to conference, how does that come out? Right. Because that's where it's going to be. I mean, there's where it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't see Democrats in the Senate doing a clean bill for Israel. This is where I think you could see some of the pushback from Democrats in the House. No, we want both. We want Ukraine and Israel. We want to support Israel, but we need the help for Ukraine. Right. Well, the uh, the I guess the the problem is that then you're vulnerable that you voted against mm-hmm. funding for Israel mm-hmm. straight out. Ukraine is a different ball game right now. Mm-hmm. You Ukraine whether you like it or not, is in the back burner. Yeah, there's no doubt it doesn't uh, of, carry of, the emotional weight. Of the of the American consciousness right. right now. Right. Based on all this. And as we have stated before, you know, the polling's been all over the place. People have said, yeah, we want to support Ukraine. Well, how much have we given them? And that's constantly been underestimated by the people of the United States. And when they find out, they're like, well, no, we can't be given that kind of money. Mm-hmm. anymore we need to support them but we can't be given this this kind of money well because inevitably the, the the second question is okay what are we doing with all that money what's happening with what's the goal well that's the problem when you know whenever the united states gets involved uh in an international uh war and there aren't specific parameters the American public always tires of it. Yeah, right. It and, is a bit different and, this time because we don't have, you know, uh, troops on the ground. Uh, we don't, you know, there's not this uh, U.S. military presence in Ukraine. But the money going there, I'm, if you look at just foreign aid in general, you and I have mentioned this a million times, foreign aid in general. Well, if the if it's so bad, if spending is so bad, let's stop all foreign aid. So already it's one of those populist mentalities. Wait a minute. Hold on. I don't mind helping Ukraine a little. But how much have we spent? How much are we going to spend? And what's the end game? Well, I, I we you probably can make an argument. We spent close to just in Ukraine over the last year and a half we've spent more money than we do for all foreign aid combined to yeah. other oh, countries yeah. yeah to yeah. get to together yeah and we the only reason we bring that up is because the majority of the american public whether you're a republican or a democrat believe 
that you can solve the budget problem if you just get rid of foreign aid right. and wasteful spending. Right. And we are sorry to be the bearer of bad news as we've been for the longest time. That is not true. It doesn't even come close. No. And so what we have right now, since we're spending, what was it, 38% more? I think they mm-hmm. read earlier. Mm-hmm. 38% more generally on the budget than we were pre-pandemic levels. Right. And it just keeps going up. And we've spent 500, we've borrowed $500 billion just in the first three weeks of this new fiscal year that started October 1st. Mm-hmm. That's borrowed $500 billion. And now the total interest on the debt, $879 billion, approaching $900 billion, soon to be a trillion dollars just in interest, which means you get nothing out of that. And remember, just, just to let you know, total, out, total tax revenue last year was $4.4 trillion. Mm-hmm. We're almost... To 30% of that, of what we're paying, 30% is interest. Right. Wow. Well, and, and that's it. You know, I mean, Johnson's one of those that has the uphill battle in terms of trying to convince Americans, okay, we need to do this and cut here and explain because nobody's paying, nobody is paying attention to spending right now. Conservatives only. Yeah, you're right. It's an exclusive club. Yeah. And that's the uphill battle for Johnson, which was going to be the uphill battle for any anyone in that role. It doesn't matter who you are. And that's why the seriousness of it, should we shut down the government now or wait till you have the clout in 2024 and explain you know, because you win, right. and therefore you have <clears throat> you have uh, much you know more power in order to do that, right? Because if you shut it down now, do you get the blame and lose in twenty twenty four, and then the Democrats just continue to go hog wild on spending? Well, you know, it's been the case for a long, long time that Republicans get the blame; they're the bad guys for wanting to cut spending. Mm-hmm. I don't remember a time when that wasn't the case. You know, there was political will with the class of 94. There was political will back then. You still had a lot more conservatives that were a lot more concerned about it. But effectively, what were they able to do? Well, not much. Tap the brakes, if anything. And welfare reform is one that comes to mind. But that really wasn't reversing spending. You're not going to truly cut spending and politically they've never been able to do it whenever i'm out anywhere i would say the vast majority of republicans that i speak to when i tell them that that we know you've got to cut say you you have the numbers wrong all we have to do is this right no you're wrong yeah it's not true right and foreign aid is the first thing that comes up right and it's almost a given if you just get rid of foreign aid and we you could make that a drinking game we if (laughs) if, if we get rid of foreign aid if we have term limits yes right term you know term limits nope uh if we just cut down the wasteful spending we can balance a budget we can do it no you can't no the people in those districts are going to send the same people you know term limits that's not going to do anything um 
we can change things and we can do this and we're going to be more responsible. No one has ever fulfilled that promise. It might make people feel better to believe that there is this instant silver bullet solution. Right. But that's all it is. Right. It makes you feel good, but it's hollow because it's not true. Well, Dean Phillips is hoping to, you know, capitalize essentially on I'm young. Yeah. Think about that. I'm just not the old guy. Look, look at all these problems here that are caused by, in part, by the way, he votes. <laughs> and and also by and, Biden himself. And he but admits he's not gonna, it. Yeah. He admits it. And he's not going to criticize Biden on the issues, only the age. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara. It really is incredible over the last week, the the uh, the negative projections on electric vehicles and mm. wind and solar and where it's going. It seems like every day there's another article out there, and not just from conservative outlets. You mentioned Business Insider. And Financial Times. Financial Times came out with it. Yep. Uh, reading here, Brace for Wind and Electric Vehicle Bailouts. Government is too invested to let these companies go bust in taxpayers will be charged for the repair job. Then another one just for news here. Wind companies uh, losing billions, prompting fears of a federal bail bailout would be coming. How do you ever get a bailout of the of, of EVs and wind and solar with the Republicans having a having very little, but having a advantage in the house of representatives i don't know how you get there how you, do you, you can't get there with the republicans having power in the house yeah because remember this would be viewed as a bailout mm-hmm. for yeah. a bad business model right that the government initiated right no there's no there's no way you get there with uh republicans uh you know in the house which is why republicans need to gain an even greater margin in the house and need to gain control of the Senate and the White House. Because if Democrats have all three and they have enough of that margin, they're they're going to get it done. Bailouts will happen. There's going to be a push for bailouts one way or the other. Whether they get it done is the question. Yeah, we'll have some of the information inside of those stories coming up because mm-hmm. it really, I mean, that just, all of a sudden it went from you know, the projections aren't looking good last week to yeah. all of a sudden, by the time we get to last night, I'm reading bailout stories right. for uh, EVs and wind yeah. and solar. Of course. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just crazy. It seemed to happen all within a couple of weeks. This is Red Eye Radio 
on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Just let you know, Halloween candy up 13% in one year. Second year, double-digit increase in candy. I was looking at uh, Halloween candy the other day. I actually bought some. It's enormously expensive. I don't buy candy in large quantities like that except for at Halloween. And the bag that I bought was 22 bucks oh. at Walmart. Wow. Yeah. And if I hadn't eaten most of it, the kids in my neighborhood would be getting some great candy tomorrow night. But apparently, you know, the porch well, light's going to be off. Because I still have some left, and there won't be any tomorrow night. I, I just, I, I looked at it, and I thought, am I just not buying? Because I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't buy candy. My, my grandkids are older, and I kind of, you know, we leave it to their parents. Um you know, to, uh, you know, buy their candy and pretty much everything else. They come over to the house. They're, they're there. But I don't have a ton of candy sitting around. My mom is very different. There's candy and or a candy bowl on every surface in her house. <laughs> and... You know, it's it, it, and I love it. It's kind of a running joke between me and and my siblings. But I don't otherwise keep candy around because if you're if it, it you know if uh, if we're closing up shop for the night on Halloween night for trick or treaters and you know my my youngest daughter loves handing out candy candy. She loves seeing all the costumes and everything else. You and I, if it's a weeknight. We don't, we got to, we got to work. We got to sleep. Uh, so at my house, you know, I, I'm asleep, but my youngest daughter will uh, be there handing out candy and whoever that last group is, if she's ready to close it up for the night and uh, usually it's nine or nine thirty, whatever time it is, you know, they just get basically the rest of the candy in the bottom of the bowl. I don't keep it around, but man, it was really expensive. And that wasn't the only bag that I bought. I bought another one that was ten bucks. I was like, I, I just, I see it at the counter, you know, the individual candy bars and everything else. I don't buy it. I, I, I just don't. You know, I love candy. I, I got a sweet tooth, but I just don't buy it because I know if I yeah. buy it, I'm going to eat it before I get to the car. Yeah, I don't. I can't eat candy. Carbs, yeah. calories, right. sugar. Yeah, uh, but. Uh, and and tomorrow night, yeah, we're Monday now. <laughs> yeah, uh, for tomorrow night, I just uh, keep the lights off and and um, I actually have a cover that I put over the doorbell. Mm. I got this okay. cover that fits over that I can 
All right. And so, but it's so dark where I, where, you know, when I turn off all the lights that nobody's ever come up to the doorbell Mm -hmm. from what I know. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a pretty well disciplined neighborhood, but I, I miss it. I mean, I, that's the one thing the last time I was able to do it and a leap year made it just one day. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it was, uh, October of 2020, right at COVID. Mm -hmm. And it was mobbed. Is that, I mean, I had the greatest time because, what I did was I put one of my, I put one of my Bose speakers in the real front bushes, and I, my uh, my house goes back a little bit outside the garage, and I put another speaker in the other bushes, bushes, and uh, had ghost sounds that I found on, I forgot where I found it, but I had ghost yeah. sounds, and they were right. in stereo. I mean, you could mm-hmm. hear it go from one to the other, mm-hmm. and it was just great. And I put candy on a table. You know, because it was still October of 2020. And it was just, and then I had a nice, you know, insulated cup that I had a little bit of uh, wine in. that <laughs> sat there. That's <laughs> everybody. It was great. I mean, mm-hmm. it was just great. The whole neighborhood was there. The kids were out in just force. And I really like it. I mean, I just always love, uh, you know, I I love, I love Halloween and how it brings all the, the neighbors out and everything else. And mm-hmm. a couple of other years when, I've been able to do it, and it hasn't been a lot because, uh, again, when it happens during the weekday, we can't, we can't do it. But you know, the neighbors coming over and <laughs> sitting there hold, holding court, you know, yeah. with the with the door wide open, yeah, all, front door open all night long, talking to neighbors and and just the kids and everything else. It was re- almost impossible to close the door and keep opening it up. You yeah. know, just sit right. in the porch sure. and. Yeah. Wait and wait till they come. But, That's what uh, my daughter does. She says she likes it better that way because usually they come in like groups. My neighbor across the street always does a great job. He's got every inch of his lawn. There's something on it. And he does the same at Christmas. And he spends a ton of time every year. And so you can see it from the nearest intersection. It's one of those houses, right? And so it draws a lot of people. And so inevitably we get, you know, that crowd makes their way over across the street to our place. I don't really decorate for Halloween. I do for Christmas, but not Halloween. Uh, But, uh, you know, it's I always love seeing uh, kids that are out. The one thing that I think has changed since we were kids is that even though my mom overdoes it now, we didn't have candy laying around when I was a kid. And you only got candy around certain times a year. Usually it was Halloween and Christmas. You know, and these days it's totally different. Kids eat a lot of junk, you know, year round. And getting candy isn't that big of a deal. I think it's still part of the... um equation that okay i want to see if what kind what different kinds of candy i can get but other than that you know it's it's not what it used to be going out for candy because it wasn't now it's not so much a treat it's kind of an everyday thing yeah we used to go we we would do 20 blocks mm-hmm. oh and, yeah and have grocery bags we were oh, just man we were we, we were, did pillowcases yeah we were we were candy hounds yeah I mean, that's all we cared about was right. candy, candy, candy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really wonder whether my diabetes was a direct reflection. 
of pre pre adolescent Halloween. Yeah, because we had so much, so much candy, so much sugar. Yeah. I can't even imagine coming close to eating that kind of uh, stuff today. But just all great memories. I mean, I just yeah. I yeah. love I love Halloween, and I don't decorate a lot, but I have you know my I've, I when I put my new spotlights in. A couple of years ago, I found these things that work as filters. So I can just place these filters on top of all my mm-hmm. all my lights out in front. Right. And it sets the mood. Yeah. You know, and it's just, yeah. and it takes, you know, 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. drop a, yeah. and and uh, it was interesting because I didn't know when I, when I got my new LED lights that they said, these things will last you 40 years. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh no! But how do I? I can't change them. You know, the the lights permanently in there. Because mm-hmm. ah, you can get filters. Mm-hmm. You can find filters to drop on top of mm-hmm. the actual lights. They don't get that hot. So, mm-hmm. um, and so it's it's great. You know, Fourth of July, I can put red, white, and blue up, and and uh, well, you know, to put white up, but mm-hmm. <laughs> the red and blue, and mm-hmm. then uh, you know, and for the anything else that goes on, you know, Valentine's Day, all red, you know, mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know now. Purple and orange, mm. and uh, the house looks you know pretty cool. And then uh, for Christmas, you know there there we go, green and red. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I make it very simple. People go, wow, your house always looks like it's you know uh, like it's, you, you're really celebrating the holidays. And yeah, I really don't do anything. I just drop a couple filters on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's um, didn't hear a lot of uh, oh, you know what we haven't heard yet. Mm. It's not a. Remember when it was an issue? Who's open for Thanksgiving? By this yeah, time I haven't. I haven't seen any of that. Yeah, I heard Walmart's closing. Yeah, for Thanksgiving, but All it's right. like. But when they put it out, I'm like, there's no buzz. Remember I, that um, was like the lead topic. I went by a couple of locations over the weekend, Saturday evening, and they were closed. Can't find people to work, and it was really interesting because i thought you know this feels like covid or just post covid all over again but we're talking a major metro area and these employers pay the two that were closed i happen to know for a fact they pay nah not enough people to show up and so now it's going to be easy for companies to go, well, we want to give our employees the day off. You're, it's, I, I don't know when or if we get back to, man, I really got to make ends meet. Because I don't know how people are making their budgets with inflation, but also quiet quitting. Unless you're living with your parents. It's the only way. Or you're taking on a bunch of roommates. Or maybe you're the roommate. I, I agree with you. I I don't know. I don't know how people are doing it. I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Because if I was in my 20s right now, I'd be the opposite of the way that I was in my 20s, which means I would be, I'd be under the mentality, I don't have a contract. Mm-hmm. We have a daily employment agreement. Mm -hmm. You know, it used to be if you would jump from job to job to job back then, that would be a negative. It's almost expected now. 
yeah. that every couple of years you jump and look for a new job. No, it is. It, and it's amazing yeah. that part of the culture. But I would be, if I was in my 20s, now again, I worked in a variety of, or worked in banking, I worked as a steel worker, whatever, machinist. Uh, and when I was a machinist, I was working the 12 hours. Yeah, right. But I still had, even that, at that point, I still had a second job of, because I, I uh, you know, I was a club DJ for the mm-hmm. longest time, mm-hmm. probably from, what, 75, 1975 to about 82. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so I did it for about seven years. Right. You know, while, and then I became one again after it. Then I mm-hmm. went back later on, a few years later, and did it again for another three or four years. Um, so, I mean, and, and I just did it. it. It wasn't where I felt I had the need but it was like, oh, if somebody's offering me money, I did it. Right. It wasn't that I had to, that, you know, I better go do it. I just did it. So I know now I'd be working. If I was in my 20s, I'd be working two jobs. Yeah. Well, you know, my one of my granddaughters got a job uh, with a, a big brand name chain store, thirteen fifty an hour to start. She's over the moon. And she's only going to work 15, 20 hours a week. She's still in high school. Oh, yeah. But yeah, she yeah. is what... just elated. But that is, you know, when you talk about especially young people and the whole concept of quiet quitting. When I, you know, there was when, when I got the my first job and it was in high school cleaning toilets. I had that same thrill. Mm-hmm. It was somebody was paying me. I got into the real world. When I was 18 then and and in my first year of college, got the job at the bank and, you know, put on the suit and tie, that was a huge benchmark of my mm-hmm. life. I mean, mm-hmm. it was, you know, at, at that point, you know, for, and I wasn't yet, but in my mind, I had transitioned, you know, to an adult mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because I was working an adult job. I remember, you know, working in the, you know, the skyscraper and coming down, you know, the elevator and then down the long escalator. Right. Even if it was to catch the bus with all the other business people, it was a huge thing. I didn't want to lose that. And I, and people, you know, it might say, well, that, you know, your work should not become your identity. Eh, in part, it does. Yeah. In part, it does, especially when you're young. You're identified as, because I remember how many people were, what do you do? How come you, I remember going to college, being dressed up in a shirt and tie. Why are you in a shirt and tie? I work at a bank. Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. I mean, people were impressed by it back then. And that was, you know, if you're going to have an ego boost, that's the kind of ego boost you want, right? People are going, oh, yeah, you got a great job and you're only in college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a great job. It was a bill collector. It was hard, but it looked like it was a great job. <laughs> well, I remember, I mean, getting my, uh, I started full time in radio right out of high school. I was 18. Now, it didn't feel like a career because, you know, it's radio. But (laughs) I was on my way. I had something to do every day, all day. No, I just remember that feeling of going, okay. You know, because I had never really, up to that point, worked full-time, only part-time. So it wasn't, the part-time was about spending money. But then... All of a sudden, okay, high school's behind me. I'm working full time. And now it's about taking care of yourself. That's a very mm-hmm. different feeling. Very different feeling. 
And I wonder to what extent it exists. I don't know how you can be quiet quitting and believe. I, I think part of it is because people believe, you know, because we're at such low unemployment, they can go anywhere and quiet quit. I don't know how, how long that's going to last. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Just interesting when you when you talk about you know the whole quiet quitting thing, and and you know I I sit back and I look and I just say you know for young people, you know if you're young and thinking of quiet quitting, I guess I can understand. I still wouldn't do it, but I guess I can understand if you're working at the same company for forty years, and you figure well. It really doesn't matter because I put in this amount of work and that's all I have to do. And then I go home and they mm-hmm. seem to be okay with it. Mm-hmm. And it may be if you've been at the same, but even then I may, I may understand it more, but I don't agree with it. And it's a foreign concept to the culture that I was raised in and, and just, and, and the culture that I, that I, believe in even though before somebody talked about quiet quitting (laughs) Mm. it had never been like a conscious part of me Mm. it was just as you know you and i talked about when in high school you got a job it was great all right i've earned money i can control more of you know of of how my life goes because it's my money it's not my parents money Mm. you know putting uh you know, putting rules and regulations on it. Then you get out of college and or get out of school or during school, whatever, when I worked and then got out. And I know that myself, because I've got a, I've got a couple of young friends in their thirties right now and they're busy constantly, you know, cause that's the time when you really move in in your 30s, and this is how I always looked at it, my father always told me about it, he goes, by the time you get in your 30s, that's when you're really going to be at that point of being able to move, you know, inside a company or inside an industry that, you know, you've done it for a couple of years, and then those years, you just take that experience and you keep moving up, whether it's with your company or taking it somewhere else. And that the 30s, and I've noticed the people that I know, and I guess you tend to re- you tend to relate to people, even if they're younger than you, that have the same sort of, I guess, you know, uh, values or, or way of life to them. And they're as busy as it can be. I mean, they're working, they're working 60, 70, 80 hours a week. Yeah. And they're sure. doing it because they wish to get somewhere, not because they feel obligated to do it, but the fact is they want to get somewhere. Right. And I was always that way, no matter what the job was.
Gary McNamara and Eric Harley taking your calls. 1-866-90-RED-EYE. And he's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Yeah, so um, just the the entire thing on, you know, on, on quiet quitting. It really is, you know, when, when you see culturally where this country has gone, and I'm talking about the the culture of of uh, of work, the culture of the you know the, even the 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 culture of 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 fair play, and I use fair play more than just you know in the economic sense. I mean, just everything that we've seen over the last couple of weeks on the number of Americans out there that actually you know back terrorism. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about that. I was. Reading uh, th- this article, Madeline Kern said at National Review, the West suicide wish, the solution to the sinister ideologies taking over our streets and campuses is to elect politicians who take the preservation of Western civilization seriously. Good luck with that. Yeah. Hmm. You know, and I, and I started thinking about, because we've talked about, you know, Mike Johnson, you know, being now the new Speaker of the House. And just, you know, what should the Republican Party be promoting? What should conservatives be promoting? You know, one of the things that you and I have talked about is the the um, when you see here the West suicide wish, and this is the promotion of an ideology that would kill you. Yeah, think about that. Yeah, I mean these young kids on the college campuses. You know, the 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 one thing, and it was I think it was uh, the uh, the gay and and uh, the uh, the gay lesbian and trans groups that were supporting Hamas, where you had Dershowitz last week, the the liberal Democrat come out and say, well then you should go over and volunteer in Gaza. Yeah, his point right. was you'll die, they'll kill you. Right, and and you look at that, you know, you and I have always talked about the fact of what happens in a society where you no longer have the common sense to even be concerned about your own life or a philosophy that would kill you. I remember when you and I were first working together in in uh, in 2005 and uh, Katrina happened and all the people afterwards, mostly young, able-bodied people. We're not talking about people that might have been handicapped in some way but obviously you know these were people that didn't leave and you and I have never forget saying that we go you know liberalism has won because when when your ideology can defeat your instinct of self-preservation then something has seriously gone wrong when self-preservation is not something of a concern when that instinct disappears because you're brainwashed because of an ideology, then how can society move forward? How can you actually uh, succeed? And when I saw this here, the West Suicide Wish, and talking about exactly you know what has gone on over the last uh, couple of weeks, how can the West, how can anybody in the West at all sanction what Hamas is doing or say that there is some good there based on what? And you see this Jewish hatred that exists. And we know it comes from identity politics, and we have talked about that before. It comes from the identity politics of of the Democrats. And you've just had the radicals say, all right, add Jews onto that list of people that we judge as a group. 
and not by individuals. We all know anybody who, you know, everybody I know, whether they're 20, the people that I hang out with, you know, my relatives, my friends, my friends' kids, for the most part, they think like I do. They may not agree with how much should be spent, you know, the federal government versus state government. There may be disagreements there, but on the basis of society and life, there is a general, you know, agreement as to, you know, what the culture is about. And all of a sudden we're being exposed to cultures that exist inside the United States that are just absolutely foreign to anything that we were raised with or anything that just sounds familiar in any way. And it's across the board when we talk about the suicidal tendencies that exist whether it's here, the West suicidal, uh, uh, you know, wish when it comes to promoting uh, Islamic jihadism that wants you dead. You're supporting an ideology that would kill you like that. Mm-hmm. And there seems to be. And, and so when you're not concerned about it, the next thing that comes up is, are you suicidal? But then we look at everything that we talk about when you look at our energy policy, when you look at what we're doing with the grid, when you look at electric vehicles, when you see what the government is getting involved with that is destroying an economy, and we know it does because we know, we understand economically what works. History shows us what works. Capitalism works. Socialism and communism does not. Mm -hmm. And it's that simple. It doesn't. Because economics dictates that people are going to look at it and go, okay, I'm going to be concerned about my, you know, own self-interest. And economically, people still are. But philosophically, it points people that in the United States supporting Islamic jihadism and terrorism is mind boggling. Well, I mean, there seems to reminds me a lot of the defund the police movement and what was going on there. Then when you got down to the. The actual uh, sentiments of the American people, it was, do you think we should defund the police? Many people were saying, yes. Okay, what about your neighborhood? Well, no, not my police. My police are fine. And so, inevitably, it was going to end up in a massive rise in violent crime, which it did. It was always going to end that way. And you have fewer people willing to serve in those areas. So, you've got now this perpetual cycle of people having to make a very real decision. In their life. Can I stay here? Is it safe? And at some point you can't afford to say you've got to go. Not just the economy. Not just the cost of regulation in California. But the rise in crime. And no one's doing anything about it. And I don't get the political play on that. That is not a winner at all. Yeah. The well, pro-Hamas stance... You're you're asking for the enemy to come after you. Well, you make you make a great point. I, you you didn't say this precisely, but I think you're on this tack. <clears throat> if you support the criminal and the lawbreaker mm-hmm. over the innocent civilian, mm-hmm. how much different is that than supporting Islamic terrorism? Right. When you say we don't care about the people, 
inside the city, the cities of America, will defund the police. Right. Crime is just something you're going to have to deal with. Right. Well, who the hell, what what the hell kind of mindset or background or culture do you come from or are you adhering to that was not a part of the culture that you grew up with at all? Yeah, right. How, and- how do people become so easily convinced to something that is insane? It's counterintuitive. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah. You're you're looking at your own safety, the safety of your family and yourself, and you're throwing it out the window, saying deference to the criminal. Well, in this case, deference to Hamas, and you have to, in order to justify that, you have to say that Hamas, as an organization, is being oppressed by Israel. That's what they want you to believe. And- that's the mindset that they have and need you to believe for them to be right. And the thing is, it's self-evident. To take a, a phrase from the Declaration of Independence, it is self-evident that the charter of Hamas is to eliminate Israel. Yeah. And Israel is a modern Western dem- democracy. Right. It's what it is. Right. They're set up as a modern Western democracy where the other, Hamas, is a charter to kill, to destroy Israel and kill Jews. It's in their charter. They don't hide it. No. No, They proudly promote it. And so it's completely and totally self-evident because it's the truth Mm -hmm. and it's the obvious truth you know, in these college campuses in the United States, these professors and these students, I mean, it's downright scary. The the one campus on in New York, I can't think of the name of it, the one college where the kids were hiding. Mm, yeah. It, Jews hiding. Yeah. In New York. Right. Out of fear of other students. They didn't know it was going to, they had no idea. And when you see the polling that we talked about last week that showed that half of young people and a significant majority who believe it's a genocide that happened with Hamas Mm -hmm. and the Israeli civilians that were killed, and still they believe it's justifiable. Right. How do you explain that? It it's it is a delusional thought that's in a totally different realm. How do you change someone's mind who thinks that way? How do you turn that around? You know, it was I saw Jonathan Turley talking about the biggest problem is uh, the fact that uh, both sides believe that the other sides are so evil that they must be destroyed, mm-hmm. and you can't live that way in a democracy. But what about when the other side's philosophy? is to destroy you. Right. Do you ignore it because you don't want to be part of that group that says, well, man, if they want to destroy us, where's the negotiating point? If I ask that, am I being a bad person? If I defend myself, am I being bad? Am I same thing? And, you know, and that's the thing that, you know, so when Turley said that, I go, yeah, but we're getting to the point. You know, where is the 
when someone says you don't have free speech, where do I negotiate? Right. When someone says my free speech, I decide what your free speech is. What's my negotiating point with that? As I always say, and that's what you want in politics. You want the negotiating point with that. Mm-hmm. Give me the negotiating point. I need one mm-hmm. here. I support Hamas. Well, they want to kill all Jews and destroy Israel. Where do I compromise there? Because well, I'm because I'm being told that in order to be a good citizen, I need to compromise. Well, sorry, there's no compromising on so many of these points that the opposition is making. Right. No, there isn't. Now, if you just generically hit someone, you know, it, it generically go after someone, you may have a point. But we're not generically or or in a broad sense going after anyone. We talk specifically about their beliefs and how those beliefs cannot exist inside of this country right. without the destruction of this country if you were to follow it to its end. And there's no way you don't. If the enemy has their way and they come to American soil, you're going to have protesters saying good for them? Yeah. There actually comes a point where you can't negotiate anymore. No, you can't. And on a lot of stands that the Democrats and the left have taken, where's the negotiating point? There is no middle ground here. There's a very clear line between the radicals and everybody else. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. So, yeah, when I read that article, the West Suicide Wish, you know, that uh, why would you agree with somebody who'd want to kill you? But it's something that we've talked about before. Just in general, when you look at liberalism today and all the issues from defund the police, Mm -hmm. you know, everything, which, you know, you look at it, well, that's suicidal for cities. That could only end up one way. And it did end up only one way. Right. We've got these mayors now and city councils trying to reverse it. And some trying to do anything possible to continue down that road. Right. And and you look at it and, you know, you look at that. You look at where we're going on energy. You look and we've talked about our energy policy, which is economic energy and national security suicide. Right. Why would we be doing it? And and it's and that's why I, I just wonder whether it's time for Republicans or conservatives to be talking more in a instead of a political way. You've got to talk in the political way. But just in a educational way, educational sociological way, well, because there has know, to where, be a great where, educational yeah, process here. Where where are we where are we going that we take and we abide by these issues that takes us down the path of national suicide? Right. Why would we do that? It doesn't make any sense at all. No. It's not even in somebody's self interest. No, or, well, or their delusional self-interest. Mm. We're saving the planet. Yeah, yeah right.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Thank you for being here on a Monday. Ah, yes. Winter arriving. <laughs> yeah, what the heck? For, for part of the country. Uh, we're at, uh, I think, uh, we'd be down to 37 by the time this morning uh, ends. Uh, at least that's what they say. Yeah. All right, so here, a couple of stories. And this would be the, the this would be the ultimate in just insanity. Mm. Brace for wind and electric vehicle company bailouts. That's uh, Wall Street Journal. Yeah. Uh, and that's a op-ed piece, uh, Elisa Finley. Just the news. Wind companies losing billions, prompting fears that a federal bailout could be coming. Hmm. What does this remind you of? What was the last industry that needed a tremendous bailout? The automotive industry. I was thinking the mortgage industry. Well, and the mortgage industry. I was going to actually I was going to say which one hasn't gotten a bailout. Yeah. But mortgage, but the automotive. But the, when you think about it, the mortgage industry was bailed out from their bailout mm-hmm. because they were pre-bailing out people to make them eligible to get loans. Mm-hmm. So they were pre-bailing out, then had to bail out. Yeah. Same thing going on here. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, Alicia uh, Finley. Uh, Ford uh, assured investors last week that its generous deal with United Auto Workers wouldn't threaten its profitability. Um, maybe. Uh, the same can't be said of its electric vehicles, which lost $3.1 billion over the first nine months of the year. These losses will doubtlessly grow and anyone who thinks that Washington will not give automakers another bailout should think again. Last week, Munich-based Siemens Energy, one of the world's top wind manufacturers, said the German government is prepared to extend as much as $16.9 billion in state guarantees to rescue it. Government has invested too much politically and financially in renewables and electric vehicles to let the companies go bust. In June, Siemens blamed a substantial increase in failure rates of wind turbine components for its mounting losses, $4.8 billion this year, and warned that its financial problems could drag on for years as it repairs and replaces faulty equipment. Oh, wait, you mean you have to keep up with, you have to maintain it? You have to repair stuff? Oh, wait, nobody accounted for that, except for the conservatives that were talking about it from the beginning. The company has a backlog orders from wind developers chasing government subsidies, but banks won't extend credit because of its financial troubles. Siemens wants Berlin to issue loan guarantees on the faulty premise that its failure could endanger the country's economy and uh, national security. Yeah. Wind yeah. is the new 
too big to fail enterprise. No, that's exactly what we saw uh, 2008, 2009. Too big to fail. And that's exactly where they will go here eventually when they call for more government money being put into wind and solar and then eventually EVs. Well, we must do this because, you know, the planet. Well, we saw that in the state of Texas with the proposition, the constitutional amendment Mm -hmm. to have an energy fund, Mm -hmm. which will basically subsidize the natural gas, which is the backup. Right. Right. We'll subsidize the backup of natural gas to support the subsidized wind and solar Mm -hmm. that can't cut it on its own. And so we subsidize everything. So then the entire grid becomes too big to fail because of a faulty system economic system set up to let the central planners and government decide what kind of products we should buy. And the other 49 will do that. If they haven't done it already, they'll have to do the same. German leaders worry that Chinese manufacturers will take over wind manufacturing as they Mm -hmm. did solar panel production a decade ago and are now doing uh, doing with electric vehicles. China boasts 10 of the world's 15 largest turbine manufacturers and can sell turbines at half the price of European manufacturers, owing largely to being able to make them with cheap coal power. These technologies will be produced anyway, and the question is whether Europe will have to import them, said German Vice Chancellor Robert Habeck on Friday. That may be true, but developers in Europe and the U.S., are scotching wind uh, are uh, uh, getting rid of wind uh, projects as rising costs and interest rates are making them unprofitable. American companies are also pleading for government help. Large offshore wind developers in September went to the New York Public Service Commission to increase contractual payments by an average of forty eight percent to cover their cost. Hmm. Regulators rejected their request. Now developers are mulling whether to cancel the projects if they can't coax more corporate welfare out of the Biden administration. Denmark's Orsted, the world's top offshore wind developer, and U.S. governors in the Northeast are lobbying the White House to boost subsidies in the Inflation Reduction Act to cover 50% of wind project costs. This is insanity. Well, it's exactly what they want, though. They want to nationalize Energy, something they've been looking to do for decades. They would love nothing more. That's been the plan all along. And when you get to a point of too big to fail and you've got a grid that is so dependent on that source, you don't have a choice. The political will be damned. You're just going to do it. The European Commission got the message in October 24th that announced more financial support for wind developers. How long before automakers start begging for bailouts as they struggle to sell government-mandated electric vehicles? Well, the uh, CEO, or I'm sorry, CFO of Ford last week. Yeah, we're shelving $12 billion in investment because right now we can't move on it on EVs. (laughs) And the demand has dropped. The demand isn't what we thought it was going to be. Because you've reached that point of saturation with those who were naturally curious and always going to be your first buyers, now you're getting into the mom and pop 
that has to replace their minivan or their SUV with an EV? Well, they don't have a, they don't have the means to do that. They can't afford it, and they don't have a way to power that car, to charge that car at their house. They're going to have to retrofit their home in order to do it. These are huge asks that everybody was just walking around in la-la land thinking we're just going to happen naturally. And they're not. We're far from being able to sustain that kind of behavior by the consumer when it comes to EVs. For now, automakers are simply pumping the brakes on their electric vehicle investments. Tesla recently paused plans for a new factory in Mexico. General Motors CEO Mary Barra last week scrapped the company's electric vehicle production goals, citing flagging demand. Honda on October 25th scuttled plans to manufacture low-cost electric vehicles with GMs. EVs are a pretty brutal space, Mercedes CFO Harry Wilhelm said the next day. I can hardly imagine the current status quo is fully sustainable for everybody. No blank, Sherlock. Uh, Ford joined the pileup and postponed $12 billion in planned electric vehicle investments, stating that buyers aren't willing to pay a premium over gasoline cars. They're too expensive. Even with the $7,500 federal tax credit and hefty state subsidies, the customer's going to decide what the volumes are, Ford CFO John Lawler said. Um, has the company checked with its regulators about that? Ooh, Perhaps auto executives are also looking at recent poll numbers, which show Trump leading Joe Biden in key swing states. If Trump or another Republican wins the White House in 24, he will no doubt scrap the Biden administration's electric vehicle mandate and California's waiver under the Clean Air Act that lets it set its own. On the other hand, if Mr. Biden prevails, automakers will need more government support on top of hundreds of billions in the Inflation Reduction Act to meet his administration's aggressive mandate, even if the automakers succeed in building lower-cost electric vehicles, there's no guarantee any customers will actually buy them. Well, because you you may, uh, in terms of the retail cost of that vehicle, selling that vehicle to the consumer is just the first step. That consumer has to be equipped with a charger at home. That often comes with cost having to retrofit your home to accommodate that. Ford Executive Chairman Bill Ford. By the way, this is only in the last couple of weeks. No, it seems we get like back from vacation. It, this is I, all like boom, just hit. Friday seemed to be the day when so many stories just landed hard on, on this and, and brought it all together with pretty much all the big OEMs saying, we can't do this. Ford Executive Chairman Bill Ford observed in an interview with the New York Times this month that electric vehicles have become collateral damage in the broader culture war. Some of the red states say this is just like the vaccine. It's being shoved down our throat by government, and we don't want it. He's right. Progressives aren't only force-feeding the green energy transition. They are pushing their supposedly superior cultural values on a public that doesn't share them. If government mandates backfire on automakers, taxpayers will be made to pay for repairing the industry's wreckage. And then yep. there it is, wind companies losing billions, promoting fears of federal bailout will be coming. That is in just the uh, the news. Uh, and it was uh, from uh, the writing uh, in his Energy Absurdity uh, Substack, David uh, Blackman, an energy analyst with over 40 years' experience in the oil and natural gas industry, said that the, that, uh, the lobbying for more renewable energy dollars 
is likely near that expect yeah. that you're yeah. going to have government officials, these will be Democrats, asking to bail out yep. the EV manufacturers yes. and wind and solar companies. And as we see in the state of Texas, in reality, bailing out the grid right. that doesn't need to be bailed out. Right. Look, the inevitable is going to be there because it doesn't matter what you do. You can throw all this money at it, all the money you could possibly imagine at the OEMs. What doesn't change is the demand. You're not going to change the grid overnight. You're not going to change people's process in terms of, the operation of their family vehicle every day, you're not going to change that. The geeks were always going to be the first on board for this kind of technology when it came to EVs. And we've all seen it. The virtue signalers, I'm helping to save the planet. I'm doing something about it. All that has already, and I forget which OEM it was that mentioned that and said, we've already reached that saturation, something you and I have been seeing for a long, long time. The curiosity crowd has already been fulfilled. They've already bought. Now let's talk about the general public and how they're going to go forward because these mandates mean nothing. A mandate doesn't mean you can afford the vehicle. A mandate doesn't mean you want the vehicle. So when there's no demand and they're not selling, then what do you do? I have a friend of mine that has two EVs. Mm-hmm. He owns six vehicles. Yeah. Yeah. Two are EVs. Right. I know somebody who's a very high earner out in California owned one of the very first Teslas. It was all about virtue signaling. We've had the conversation. Yeah. This, this, for this guy, he's uh, a car geek. So he's going to have some EVs. Yep. 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 But they're not everyday use vehicles. Nope. You're going to have an internal combustion engine somewhere yep. in that same garage because you know the difference. Look, I don't care what anybody wants to drive. But really, that's the point. On the other side of it, what is the desire by the marketplace to buy and own an EV. The process, Hertz is already saying, our deal with Tesla, this isn't going so well. Oh, and by the way, it's another story that rent, came out. Renting vehicles now, all of a sudden it's appearing. Right. Electric vehicles. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hertz has had a deal with Tesla for a while now. Yeah. They're saying it's not going too well. And, and it's because, first of all, we're, we are creatures of habit. But if you're renting a vehicle and you've never operated an, an EV, you don't need to be driving that EV, quite frankly. You probably shouldn't be. And those are the things that come along with it. Now think about, okay, now I'm going to own it. I've either got to make the payments or i got to come up with the cash to pay for that. Good luck with that. And then I've got to retrofit my home so I can charge it at home. And over and over again, people are looking at it and going, again, that survey that came out, aside from Tesla owners who tend to be more loyal in the EV crowd, 
EV owners, more than half of them said, I'm going to buy an internal combustion engine as soon as possible. 86690-RED-EYE. Brought to you by Hotshot Secret. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on roadside inspections. At a roadside inspection, inspectors may ask to see supporting documents. A supporting document is a document generated or received by a motor carrier in the normal course of business that can be used by law enforcement to verify a driver's logs. These documents can include bills of lading, itineraries, schedules, or equivalent documents that indicate the origin and destination of each trip. They can also include dispatch or trip records, expense receipts related to on-duty slash not driving periods, including receipts for meals, lodging, and fuel, electronic mobile communication transmitted through a fleet management system, and payroll records, settlement sheets, or equivalent documents that indicate payment to a driver. Drivers using paper logs must also keep toll receipts. Supporting documents must contain the driver's name, carrier-assigned identification number or vehicle unit number that can be linked to the driver, the date, the name of the nearest city, town, or village, and the time. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller & Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara. But could can you imagine a couple of years from now, maybe even sooner, uh, the Democrats coming out and saying it's time to bail out the EV industry? And what would the public think about that when you talk about we need to bail out something that we've been subsidizing uh, for the longest time? How much of a how much of a uh, of support will you get from the public on it? From a public who's already looking at regular automobiles and saying. They're too expensive. I can't afford a regular automobile. Well, that's it. And, you know, back at uh, in 2008 and 2009, uh, in that year, 2008, the OEMs were bleeding cash. And the way they sold it was, look at all the jobs that will be lost if we don't bail them out. Not just jobs on the assembly line, jobs at the dealership and everything else. And in the end... The government chose, you know, that was that had to be the case anyway. There were jobs that were lost, and we bailed them out. And I don't know how you get that kind of uh, emotional support, you know, that kind of political will built for an EV industry. Are you going to, are you, because, you know, many on the left already hate Elon Musk. They do now. But are you going to be able to conjure up that kind of political will for a company like Tesla? I don't think so. I really don't think so. So I don't know how you push it. I really don't.
You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And he is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Thanks for being here. So House Speaker Johnson, here's a headline. House pursuing Biden allegations very aggressively. He was asked over the weekend, will you subpoena Hunter Biden? He said, I'm looking into it. Hmm. All right. I believe he will. I I don't know how you don't. I don't know how you do a thorough, go through a thorough process without doing that. Well, it'll be interesting to see because all we have been getting over the last couple of weeks is, you know, the, the, uh, we've, I mean, we've been getting the stories are really interesting. You know, Mm. when you had 40 different uh, uh, confidential sources inside the FBI say that they've been, you know, that there were 40 different confidential sources looking at Joe Hunter and James Biden. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting because that's the FBI was monitoring 40. Right. And that's huge. Right. Uh, right there, and also the two hundred thousand last week mm-hmm. uh, that uh, uh, Comer came out and identified went to uh, Joe Biden from his butter, brother James. There has still been no explanation, uh, you know, again for that whatsoever, and the explanations of it have been pretty, pretty poor. That you know, as Goldman said, well, this just shows Republicans are coming down on Joe Biden. He lent his brother money. Mm-hmm. Because oh, he loves his he brother. He loves his brother. This is about lovey. And his brother was simply paying him back. Well, how was he paying him back? Mm-hmm. And the problem is, again, and and Johnson said this, and Republicans can make a... Look, you're never going to make a case to Democrats. I did see the other day that I forgot what the what the topic was, but it was 30% still supported Biden. And they made the case. They said, well... 30% support Biden on anything, no matter what it is. Mm-hmm. It could You could sit there and say is, uh, you know, that uh, 70% say that Biden is, uh, is 80 years old, and the 30% would still say, well, we don't believe that. Right. You know, it doesn't matter. That's the core that is not going to change no matter what. But what they're saying is across the board, uh, you know, it's not looking good. When you have 68%. Uh, in the, oh, that's what it was. 68% of the poll uh, came out and said they believe Biden's done something unethical or illegal. And it was 30% say he hasn't. And they said, well, that 30% is the percent that always stays the same for Biden. You can't move that on any issue beneath 30%. Like, right. Okay, that's interesting. Because hmm. 30% believe he hasn't done uh, anything wrong. Obviously, those people are either ignoring what, the facts are the case or they are ignorant of the facts of the case because there's no way you can look at everything. And that's the problem. And, you know, you, now you're up to 68%. It keeps inching up, you know, all the time and it soon will be over 70%. And at that point, you just, you just can't win with all the number of bank accounts, uh, fake corporations that were set up in order to transfer money and now that you've got money being transferred, you keep running out of excuses. Like I said, the last excuse from Goldman was, well, he 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 loaned his brother money. I mean, that's good he loaned his brother money. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not the entire case. There's a ton of tax questions to be asked on that. And again, it was not clarified over the weekend because James Biden's lawyer said, oh, obviously, 
uh, Comer's, you know, only uh, is is cherry picking the evidence because if you look at all the evidence, you can see when the loan was made and when it was paid back. Right. Comer saying we don't have that. That's mm-hmm. why we're going to the White House. Mm-hmm. We do know Comer said we do know James Biden did not have the ability to pay his brother back two hundred thousand dollars if he borrowed the two hundred thousand from him even. Right. And so that's the question that's going on there, and it's just the beginning of it. And the other part is that I didn't mention last week, but it was, well, okay, they can always make the case, well, this didn't happen. This didn't happen when he was vice president or president, so it doesn't matter. Well, it actually does because if he was paid the money and it's not a loan, then he was evading taxes or wasn't paying attention well, to and, tax law. And there was still, at that time, there was still a lot of thought that he would run for president. You know, I mean, right. we have to go back to the impeachment of uh, the the one impeachment of uh, of Donald Trump. Look, you have to, you know, in 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 terms of uh, asking Ukraine to do something about uh, their problems, uh, their problems there, and and all of the influence and everything else, and 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 follow through the incoming president of uh, Ukraine. Trump asking him to follow through with his campaign promises to do something about corruption. And that included the whole Biden thing. You need to look into what happened here. Well, the left went crazy. That's interfering in an election. Well, if you are doing that based on the fact that, okay, look, it's, you know, they they were bound to be opponents. Everybody knew that Biden was eventually going to run or was going to be the nominee, well, then you have to assume the same for any behavior on his part during that same time period. It was always a given he was going to run. He had been talking about it. And even if he were no longer vice president, the question would be, well, who is he indebted to? Because now he is president. That's what it comes down to. The ultimate question is, is he compromised? And exactly what was he given and what promises did he make in exchange for money? That's a very serious question. Very serious question. Because, again, you had the infrastructure set up, as we talked, with uh, with bank accounts and Mm -hmm. and LLCs to transfer millions of dollars to Biden family members and the American public is extremely suspicious of that because people who are uh, uh, transferring money legally don't do those kind of things. Right. Just not done. Yeah, you don't need to hide it. Right. And that's the problem that they can't get over, and that's why you're running out of excuses. Uh, you know, and again, that's the great mystery. What are they going to bring now? In the, in the next uh, couple of months, we're already to November now, mm-hmm. lost a lot of October because of the speaker fight, yeah. but now back on track. And where are they going to go, for example, over the next uh, a couple of weeks? And I cannot see them not bringing in Hunter Biden. Well, I, there's there's that. And, and also, you know, right now, I think there are a lot of people I still uh, have this theory that and. And really, it's not so much a theory. We already know that many in the Democratic Party, many insiders inside the Beltway have known and and were concerned 
for years about the Biden family. We know that going back to the Obama years Mm -hmm. uh, when he was vice president. And if that's the case, then the question becomes, if you demonstrate a clear wrongdoing on the part of Biden, then you've got to ask the question, well, who knew what did they know and, and, and when did they know it? And it's everybody in his party. The fallout is going to be massive. Well, it's everybody in his party. If, if, you, can, if you can get illegal activity that's been done, then it's everybody in his party that's been defending him and the media running cover for him. Right. And that's something that Republicans can make use of and say for all these years, you know, everybody tried to keep this. If they can get what they what what they are claiming they might have, then they would be able to use that all the way up to 2024 and beyond. Oh, sure. The media wanted to protect, you know, and I can see them saying it, wanted to protect this crook in office. Mm-hmm. And and so the problem is right now, especially when you see where independents stand uh, uh, on this independence or extremely suspicious you may still have a significant portion of democrat support because they don't care what biden has done all they care is no trump or no republican in but it looks like independence i think it's like 74 percent believe that either something immoral or illegal was done right now you can't it's tough to win on those kind of numbers number of articles you know the thing on james carville coming out where, you know, Democrats are telling him to shut up and hmm. he's talking about it. And Dean Phillips is talking about it, who announced that he was running for, for president against Biden. And they're all saying, look, the Democratic establishment saying you need to shut up about Biden. He's not too old. He's doing a great job. He's the guy. Yeah. There is not going to be another. There's not going to be another guy. He's the guy. Live with it. Well, deal with it. But that's that's, you know, all the more reason to back up my theory. And that is. They need him to win. And they need Democrats to at least control the Senate. If not gain control of the House. Because they don't need hearings. One of the things is if there's a turnover of power in the Senate, let's say Biden were to win the White House. But in 24 But the GOP takes the House and the Senate. It's going to be relentless for at least two years. Mm -hmm. And they can't have that. Their best bet is to get everybody behind Biden. And it's because that fallout is going to hurt. That fallout is going to land on a lot of them. So they want the entire party in unison promoting the guy. Nothing's going on here. There's nothing to see. No, no wrongdoing. He's a great president. The economy's doing great. The border is secure. Blah, 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 blah. Because the last thing they need is for this to fall on their party, and it will. Well, you do have to ask the question, what else does Comer have? Because Comer got the 200000 apparently, right. from the subpoena. Well, what else do they have? Because well, if he was able to get bank records... Mm-hmm. There's a ton of information. Let's put it this way. They didn't use that system of LLCs to transfer that 200000 Right. So what else is out there? Right. And what might the 40 sources inside the FBI 
Yeah, it's another Tell huge us. story. Yes. That's exactly. a massive, massive, yeah. massive reveal. And so, again, it comes down to the fact that there's no way that other Democrats that were in power didn't know. We know there was great concern. Certainly there was concern at the FBI. Well, we know the concern in the media and everywhere else because of what happened in October of 2020. Yep. And if the GOP is able to prove wrongdoing, it falls on every one of them. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harding, and I'm Gary McNamara. You know, now that we're already in November, and and a lot of the talk will be about you know the you know the government whether it gets shut down again or what kind of deal that they make. When do you hold these hearings? Yeah, I don't know. But you technically, know, we're still in October. But yeah, what I say, we're heading into November. Heading. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. 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 I. Yeah. For I anybody know. just waking up, you didn't lose a couple of days. <laughs> no, no. I. You know. I'm just throwing out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm throwing out Monday and Tuesday. Right. We're in. You know. Basically, October. You're not going to hold hearings in October. Right. 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 All right. So you've got November and December left mm-hmm. when a lot of things going on. You know, holidays and all that. I, do you want to? You want to run it then? Are you going to wait till January? Because when you have when you hold these hearings, impeachment inquiry hearings, yeah, I would expect you would bring in everybody in the kitchen sink. FBI, the the FBI agents would uh, would would testify. Uh, your, uh, you know, your uh, informants would testify, mm-hmm. you know, the, the 40 different ones, and then you're going to get all of his business partners to testify. Yeah. And you may try to get Hunter to testify at mm-hmm. that point. Mm-hmm. I would think they would go after Hunter. I would think so. Even if he just, even I would expect him to just take the fifth, but right. you want yeah. him taking the fifth. Right. From that politically, that's what you would want. That would right. be your goal yeah. as Republicans. We believe we've got this on him. If not, he takes the fifth. That hurts him. Mm-hmm. So you're never going to get Joe Biden no, as but president I, to testify. I, I do think the timing um, part of it is is interesting because people's attention changes. Between if you they're not going to get much done between now and the middle of the month of November. After that, everything is about Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year. Mm-hmm. Right. Do you want to build everything? Do you want to build your case? And basically, you know, doing things like what Grassley did with the 40 FBI uh sources and everything else. And you're these stories where you're just doing the drip, drip, drip and. Then January, you hit the ground running. And or do you think you can actually get people's attention in in the holiday season? Or, I don't know. Or are you not ready yet because you're waiting to get everything from the subpoena, the bank records in huh? that you yeah. want as much because you understand that's what will convince the American public yeah. is the actual bank records. Could be.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.